Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name is Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about FC Barcelona Femini. Barcelona is known around the world as a football mad city and this season it's the Barcelona women's team that has been making the headlines, winning trophy after trophy after trophy and doing it in some style too. On today's podcast we'll be celebrating the Blaugrana's success and hearing from one of their players, Laia Codina, about the impact those victories could have off the field, inspiring the next generation of footballers. The women's game is taking huge strides forward, with the league finally going professional from next season after a bitter struggle. Joining me here today is Christina Tomas-White. Hi, Christina. Hey, Lorcan. And joining us down the line, we've got Killian Shields. Hi, Killian. Hello, Lorcan and Christina. It's good to be here. Lots to chat about today. And Killian, you were at a Barca Femini match just recently. I'm really looking forward to hearing all about that. But first, here's Christina with a quick look back on an incredible season. Football Club Barcelona Femini. They're playing some lovely football. League. What a start! This is for Barcelona! Cup. It's just too easy now. And Champions League treble winners this season. Goal, 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 goal. An unprecedented sixth league title wrapped up after only 26 of 34 games played. The Blaugrana were crowned champions with 26 wins from those 26 matches. Not in their wildest dreams could they have imagined a start like this. And a mind-boggling 127 goals scored while conceding only six, averaging over 4.8 goals per game all year. An unbeaten run in the league that lasted over two years. Dominance the likes of which never seen before. And inspiring the next generation of girls playing the game by claiming the first Champions League won by any team in Spain. They are blowing Chelsea away here. Alexia Putellas, Jenny Hermoso, Vicky Lozada, Aitana Bombati, Asisato Shuala, Lika Martins, Mapi Leon. Just some of the names that will be forever remembered in the history books of FC Barcelona. That is quite simply sensational. An amazing season. Congratulations to the whole squad. Kylian, Barcelona Femini have been phenomenal, haven't they? Absolutely incredible. I mean, for me, it's been one of the best seasons that any team in any league has ever played out. I mean, they're treble champions. They won the league with a 100% record. I mean, they've since gone on to lose one match, but I mean, we'll allow them that, you know. But regardless, the success of this team has been absolutely incredible. I mean, they're scoring almost five goals per game on average. It's just absolutely out of this world. And you had the pleasure, Killian, of going along to a match recently, which for much of the season, of course, with COVID, fans haven't been able to watch the team in action. But uh, how was it when you went along to the match? It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the atmosphere was amazing. There were a good few hundred, if not a couple of thousand people there in the Johan Cruyff Stadium, this gorgeous little stadium that's been only very recently built. Uh, like a fantastic facilities there, all brand new. Uh, There was a very jubilant mood among the crowd. Everybody was celebrating the recent treble win and just the historic achievements of this outstanding football team. There was a singing section behind one of the goals as well that were just creating an excellent atmosphere, just of chance for the whole 90 minutes. And it was just great to be back amongst a jubilant crowd once more. 
And so they play in the Johan Cruyff Stadium, you mentioned. Do, do we see the influence of total football in the team's play? I'd say most certainly we do. Beyond anything else, this team is amazing at replicating that very distinct, that very iconic Barca philosophy, that style of play. Like the way that connections are made on, on either flank, the way Alexia Puteas moves in between the lines to create space. Uh, the way Jenny Hermoso has scored so many goals this year, just as a team, just on a purely sporting level, just absolutely on another level. And they've shown that with their achievements this year. I think one of the things that you mentioned to me earlier, Killian, that sums it up is the fact that actually the top goal scorer in the league, it, it comes from another team. It just shows you that they're all getting involved, you know. Indeed. I mean, goals come from up and down the pitch. I mean, we saw last Saturday a defensive midfielder score the winning goal for 3-2. Brilliant volley from outside the box. Just stunning, stunning stuff. And great for you to get back to a match as well, Killian. Um we're rightly celebrating the incredible season that Barca's women's team has had, but let's not shy away from the fact that women's football faces huge challenges, discrimination, lack of recognition, lack of media coverage. What impact do you think, Christina, that this treble will have off the pitch? Um, I think, well, I hope at least still have a huge impact in, in normalizing like the presence of women in this field. Um, excuse the pun. <laughs> and... Um, I mean, maybe younger children will have people to look up to that, you know, they can think, oh, I can aspire to be that one day. I do think that at the same time, though, even though they've gotten a lot of press because they, they've won these trophies, it doesn't mean that all of society's problems are fixed. And it doesn't mean that, you know, people value their their sport. Manship. You see, we even say sportsmanship and not womanship. You know, we, we, they're, they're just not held in the same esteem as men are. And, you know, they're still playing in a smaller stadium. They're still not making as much money. There, there's a, it's a big step, you know, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, it's not even not making as much money. It's like it's astronomical differences as well. So we'll talk a little bit more a bit later about like professionalization of the women's game in the Spanish league. Um, but Kellyan, uh, before that, uh, we're going to hear from one of the players in this Barca team that you caught up with this week. Yes, absolutely. Uh, earlier on this week, I spoke with Laia Codina a defender in the squad who was there present obviously in Sweden for when the team won that Champions League and she told me all about uh, how she's feeling trying to take in this historic achievement and also very interestingly about her experiences growing up while playing football just as a young girl here in Catalonia. Okay, let's take a listen. For Laia Codina, the 21-year-old La Masia graduate, the magnitude of her team's barely believable achievements this season have not yet dawned on her. Nor have they for the rest of the squad. They've made history and have broken so many records, and that is something that takes time to fully sink in. On the side of the pitch in Gothenburg, Bon Mati and Codina sang Sopa de Cabra's hit L'Emporda, a classic of the late-night Festa Major local street parties, and all of a sudden, these superstars at the top of their game seemed so relatable. <laughs> of course, they have not gotten here by accident. 
Laia Codina tells me that losing the 2019 Champions League final made the team understand the level they needed to reach. It was a painful loss, 4-1 to an all-conquering Lyon side that picked up five consecutive European crowns. But it was a loss that taught valuable lessons. She describes this European victory as a very important inflection point for the women's game in Catalonia and indeed all of Spain. As young girls growing up playing the game now have their first ever set of role models to look up to who have conquered all before them. After their last home game, a 3-2 comeback victory over Madrid Club de Fútbol Femenino, she says that so many young girls told her they were going to start playing football now, having been inspired by this Barcelona team. And this influence makes her immensely proud. Victoria's captain Vicky Lozada echoed the same sentiments in the post-match interview. Emotionally declaring that the win will open doors for girls and women, not only in football, but across society. Laia Codina hopes that the growth of the women's game will mean that this next generation won't have to put up with some of the things that she had to when growing up playing the sport. For starters, there were so few girls' teams available that for 10 years she played only on boys' teams. This led to insults directed towards her, most often from parents from the other team, and various other ridiculous hurdles such as getting home an hour later than everybody else because she would have to shower in the referees' facilities after the officiating team were done. The same infrastructure that were always available for boys playing football simply weren't in place for girls. For Cadina, this treble winning season means more than football. It's something that can act as a tool to break stereotypes, smash through glass ceilings and provide opportunities for women and girls both on and off the pitch. The next era of Barca stars, she hopes, will have life made slightly easier thanks to the magnificent triumphs of this team. Killian was speaking to Laia Colina. Our congratulations to her and the rest of the team. Christina, what do you think listening to that? Well, I mean... I'm I'm really happy for her and I'm happy for the team. Um, it, it is kind of like on a personal level, it's a bit bittersweet just because it makes me think back to when I was a kid. And when I was little, I loved football. Like I was so, so into it. I was um, one of the few girls in my class that would play, but I would always be on the court playing with all the boys. Um, I knew all like who had won what game and I knew Barca you know we're doing well this year oh though they lost against so and so such and such team you know like I I knew everything about it and then when I was 10 I had to well I didn't have to but I stopped playing because I started getting teased for for playing with the boys and just being like better than them actually um (laughs) I'm not gonna be humble about it like I was better than them um but you know I just couldn't take it anymore so I stopped and I think because of this, I just started hating it almost. <laughs> or not quite hating it, but I was just very resentful. So, I, I mean, you can ask Killian. I know nothing about what's going on now. And it, it makes me sad to see that it's taken them this long to get recognition. Um, also, I think Laia is a bit less than 10 years younger than me. And to see that she has also faced discrimination, like, yes, we've advanced, but, you know, there's still a, a long way to go. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, we're sitting here, Christina and Kelly, and you both grew up, like, loving football as kids, playing it, following it. And yet, I mean, there could be many reasons for it, but now we're sitting here, Christina, you're not interested anymore. Killian absolutely loves it. But, you know, is it because of what happened to you or how you were made to feel a bit for being yeah, interested? Yeah, I, I think so. It was just, it wasn't okay for me to want to play football anymore. So I stopped playing football and, you know, I'm, I'm lucky this, this didn't come from my family. It didn't come from like my parents telling me not to play, but when you have a whole class um, when you're of boys that are teasing you for it, you just end up stopping. Though I, ha- I do have to say that um, as a semi-American, an American of sorts, my, my experience in, in the U.S. was completely different. Like when I was a mm. kid there, I, there was one summer I was in a soccer camp and it was mainly girls. And, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I wasn't made to feel like it was wrong to be playing soccer Yeah, I think the United States has just such an entirely different culture surrounding football, uh, particularly in the youth levels as well. Um, But not only that, but once you foster a healthy culture at a youth level, you can see the rewards at senior level as well. And that's why we've seen such an incredible US women's national team be so dominant winning so many World Cups. It's interesting. I think that people know Barcelona around the world for their men's football team. And as you would expect, when you look at the number of um, men who are registered as members of clubs in terms of the different sports, football is way out in front. I think there's 80,000 men in Catalonia who are registered as being members of a football club like playing. But on the other hand, for women Football is only the fifth most popular sport. And in fact, there's more than twice as many women who play basketball or registered with clubs and play basketball than play football. So it's actually quite striking the difference in attitude towards men and women playing football in Catalonia. And, you know, you would have to hope that with the success of this Barca Femini team, that that might change bit by bit, you know, the mica mica, sample la pica. Bit by bit, the sink fills up. The stadium fills up. (laughs) Can I just say, though, I mean, obviously it's great that women would want to join more football clubs. But at the same time, you know, if the sport that we associate with Catalonia is football and there's so many fewer women that are in these clubs and instead there are like way more that are in basketball teams or whatnot, you know, it's also very telling that football is still the dominant sport you know maybe maybe part of the issue is that we don't value what women want maybe we need to value other sports that women play more Mm -hmm. as we've heard then the conditions for girls growing up playing football and also for women playing football when they when they get older the conditions are pretty terrible at times that all kind of came to a boiling point in late 2019 Killian when the league actually went on strike absolutely this was the first strike in women's football in spain where the entire top flight league uh, went on strike so in the middle of november 16th and 17th of 2019 no league games were played they were scheduled the match officials showed up at the at the grounds even though everybody knew that it was uh, just for appearances, essentially, because the players had decided to go ahead with this strike. Uh, the first game that was scheduled to go ahead, but that did not, was here in Catalonia. It was Espanyol, who were due to play Granadilla Tenerife. 
and that would have been the first game of the ninth match day of that season. And what did they say they were striking for? Yes, so they were fighting for a labour agreement. So some sort of legal document that formalises the bare minimum standards with which they would be employed by their clubs. To me personally, it's mind-bogglingly low what they had to fight years to achieve. So they were looking for a minimum salary of €16,000 per year. But that gets reduced again because they're also fighting for a proportion of the working week of only 75%. So in essence, that meant a yearly salary of €12,000, €1,000 per month. Yeah, this is what they had to fight years for. I would just like to point out that that's probably like gross pay and not net pay. What would it be like eight hundred a month? Eight fifty. Nine, well, I guess now minimum wage is nine fifty a month, but that's well below average salaries here. Exactly. On top of that, there were things like holidays. So they get a couple of days holidays a year, as well maternity leave. This was this was a big part of what they were fighting for in the. Uh, labor agreement as well so if any player wanted to have a child and if they were in their last year of their contract then what was ultimately agreed was that they would have one additional year added to the end of their contract on the exact same conditions so the same pay structure everything like that and additionally another mind-blowing thing that they had to fight tooth and nail for was to get a guaranteed wage in event of an injury these are footballers like injuries are very common in this game as well what really blew my mind in it can i just say that they're fighting for 75 percent of the working week as though athletes at the top of their game were only ever athletes for 30 hours a week but you know once the training session ends what like they can just take no care of their body they can eat whatever food they want no that's that's not like that athletes are athletes for 24 hours of the day for 52 weeks of the year right I also imagine like even if you're only training a few days a week you know you're maybe not playing the same days every week if you're you know traveling internationally for a game or whatnot so honestly yeah it was it's absolutely incredible and so what was the what was the outcome what was the result of the strike the outcome thankfully Lorcan was a positive one the players got their labor agreement i mean first it was agreed with unions and with clubs and everything and then it was written up and first published in february of 2020 but then something happened in march of 2020 which caused a little bit of a delay so then in august last year it was thankfully officially published in the spanish government's uh, official gazette which formalizes this uh, puts it into practice this is like the minimum conditions like Barca, I think, for example, offers them better conditions. Exactly. There were two clubs beforehand, Barcelona and Athletic Bilbao, who were already fully professional. So they had nothing to gain by this labour agreement. Barca players, um, other professional players in the league, because they were earning far more than this 12,000, this 16,000 euros a year. But the great thing was that the players agreed with the vast majority, like over 90% of the players involved voted to agree to the strike. So that was great to see the women coming together and just fighting for other players who had much worse situations than them. And so from the beginning of next season, the whole top flight of women's football in Spain is going to be professional. Exactly, yes. That's going to be officially declared on June 15th, so very, very soon. This will, in theory, be a complete game changer for women's football here. 
I mean, the lawyer for the Professional Footballers Association said that this is going to improve the situation of 90% of the players in the league. And tangibly, this means more money, more money going into it, more funding for clubs, for youth academies to essentially just create better conditions from bottom to top. On a sporting level, not much is going to change. There's a lot of the details yet to be ironed out, but certainly there seems to be a lot of optimism on all sides. The Spanish government is going to get involved and run this league alongside the Spanish Football Federation. They're going to be negotiating a new labour agreement, the one that was just made official last year. They've already filed a, a legal case on that, but that's just a legal requirement in order to start the process of creating a new labour agreement, which will then look to implement even better conditions for the players. So that's all positivity from all sides involved, but the looks of things... And maybe after not seeing so much progress for women's football for quite a few years, now it seems as if there's some momentum behind it and things are picking up. Totally, totally. José Manuel Franco, who is the president of the Superior Sports Board in Spain, he said that advancing equality is a benefit for society as a whole. And he said that these are public policies aimed at creating freer and more just societies. So this is going to be a change that is aimed not only at the sporting realm, but society as a whole. Yeah, no, and this definitely ties into what I was saying earlier about how it not being just a sports issue. You know, this ties into like greater structural societal issues that need to be addressed. Time now for our Catalan phrase. Cristina, what is it this week? Uri la llauna. Uri la llauna. Open the tin, is it? Open tin, the tin, can. can. Yeah. Can Killian knows us? what it means. Yeah, Killian's smiling here. here on screen. What does it mean? Uh, yeah, so this is one of these nice idiosyncrasies in uh, Catalan language here when speaking about football. If a team has opened the can, it means that after piling the pressure on the opposition defence and goal for quite a long time, eventually the can gets opened, that pressure gets burst out, that pressure gets released, and it means that the first goal has been scored, more often than not, in a bit of a hammering. So, obri llauna, it means open the scoring. The score of the first goal. And uh, speaking of our Catalan phrases, actually, thanks to Marty in La Scala up in the Costa Brava who got in touch with us. Uh, Marty suggested that we add our Catalan phrases to our weekly show notes. So starting from this week, that's what we're going to do. If you'd like to get in touch with any comments, questions, observations, complaints, surely not, email catalannews at acn.cat. Thanks for listening this week. Thanks, Killian, for joining us remotely. Thank you, Larkin, for having me. And thanks to you as well, Christina. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, thanks to Laia Codina as well for speaking to us. We'll be back with another episode of Filling the Sink next week. Until then, for me, Larkin Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adieu. Mm-hmm.